good. <laughs> okay, hello everyone. Welcome to the Creative Coding Podcast. Episode, Who Gives a Hoot? <laughs> it's the date, we've got to say the date. Oh yeah. 29th, 29th of May 2015. Just like professionals. I've been listening to professional podcasts lately. Oh no, you're only going to get ideas, Seb. It, I've I've had some, you know, <laughs> I just want, I had this amazing idea for a podcast, but it would have just taken me like a month to make it, yes. like one episode. Um, so, what are you listening to? It's just this American life. That's have you listened it. to Startup? No. Oh, it's really good. You should listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. really good. It's a dude who left This American Life to start his own podcasting uh, yeah, startup. There was one item on This American Life about that, the one where he met with the venture capitalist guy. Right, yes. Yeah, and it was brilliant, wasn't it? Because yeah. he gave him his own pitch. <laughs> yeah. And then he get like and, and he was like he was like, Wow, that's amazing. You made me sound really cool. And then he was like, Oh, here's the other side. <laughs> Yeah. And gave him the negative pitch and he was really depressed. So did yeah. it get better after that? Yeah, well, listen to it. I don't want to spoil it, but listen okay. to it. It's really good. They're on right, season two now where they're doing a different company. So, Oh, I am behind. So the theme of this week's podcast this week. Do you like how I say this week? Like we do one every week. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a surprise theme. I haven't forewarned Ian about it. Um. Because there's something I want to talk about. And uh, it's a story about something. I'm just getting all this American life on you, aren't I? They write it in advance, though, don't they? They certainly do write it. I haven't written it in advance. You can probably tell. So here's the story. So you know about my Pixel Pyros project. Yeah, so it's Mm -hmm. a digital fireworks display. Big projectors, lasers, project on this massive screen, 20 metres wide. All the fireworks are triggered by uh, members of the audience who touch these lights at the bottom of the screen and the fireworks get triggered. A few months ago, I got approached by a production company in Australia. Right. This happens to me all the time, by the way. I'm constantly (laughs) getting inquiries about this project from all over the world. And it's really hard to deal with because it's it's quite an expensive and um, complicated project to put on in the UK, let alone like abroad. So the vast majority of these inquiries go nowhere. But anyway, they were quite desperate. They had like maybe three months or something. So it was due to go on in like now, right? So end of May, early June. And this was only like two or three months ago. And it was right. part of the vivid light festival in sydney which by all accounts looks pretty amazing mm-hmm. um but this production company were looking for pixel pyros at uh, a venue which is which is essentially the star uh, hotel and casino so that was their client as far as i could tell like the star were paying for it so they wanted me to come and bring it along and, and run it for like three weeks so i you know i spent ages trying to figure out how to do it <laughs> mm. <laughs> like how to get it to australia and you know it's a lot of i've basically had this big list of um equipment and i chatted to them about how it worked and the code and all of this stuff and um, and 
basically it came to a lot of money right it mm-hmm. was it obviously had to include me and paul who's who's the another programmer on it and helps to operate it but all of the other stuff lots of the other stuff was being we 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 needed to be provided by them you know the projectors i think we might have brought a laser all the plant everything all of that stuff nonetheless obviously two people working full-time for a few weeks plus all the lead up plus also i put in a fee for actually using the the show right Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's a it's a big investment so put it this way it came to a lot of money right yeah it was it was quite expensive um and but i was thinking well it's a casino right it's not like public arts funded or anything Uh well you know and it's literally two months away this would be really hard um i'm not going to do him any favors yeah so yeah that's the short version it came to a lot of money so i was waiting to hear back and i didn't hear anything for a while and i was like that's a bit odd i was expecting them to come back you know they always come back with a lower offer right that's Mm-hmm. That's basically what happens. Um, but I didn't hear anything. So I was like, what's, what's going on? Like, I really need to book it in. If you want to do it, we've got to get things moving. And I got a reply and they said, yeah, unfortunately, um, it was a bit over our budget. So we've decided to find uh, local artists and come up with an original idea. <laughs> right. OK, I can almost see where this is going, Sam. Yeah, and you know what? I could almost see where it was going at the time as well. And I was like, because we all know where it's going, right? But, um, and I was like, well, maybe I should write back, just sort of, you know, just letting them know that I'm onto them. (laughs) Anyway, I kind of, I forgot about it for a little while. Uh, I was very busy, as you probably know, the first half of this year has been kind of intense so I've left it for a while and then I I thought oh I better maybe just write back because I hadn't written back to them for a while I was just like oh yeah sorry I didn't get back to you I just thought you know I'd get back in touch and say yeah no problem let me know let's stay in touch maybe something in the future whatever Mm -hmm. um and then I just saw on on Twitter that um Vivid was happening so I thought oh have a quick look check it out and um Yes, well, as you can probably expect, uh, in by the casino uh, in I think it's called Piermont or Piermont Gardens or Square. There's they've made uh, their own digital fireworks. Uh, it's a bit different, right? I think they're projecting onto trees. I can't quite figure that out. Uh, and the way you trigger them is by playing a drum. Right? Okay. So the interface is like drums that you hit with glowing. Uh, drumsticks uh, and they've called it Piermont's pyro <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> so so i guess um you know obviously i've got a lot of conflicting feelings about this um i don't i don't think i really own the idea of computer generated projected fireworks i mean i think i was probably the first person to do it or certainly that i know i know you know i did it first i think in 2006 or something with the very first sort of um prototype version but i mean even if i even if i'm am the first i don't think it's you know people project images of fireworks right that happens quite a lot i can't imagine that's a particularly unique or special idea so i'm sort of a bit conflicted i don't quite know i mean i don't think well certainly i don't think legally i've got any 
any case, but I'm just kind of figuring out. I mean, it's it's my sort of feeling that that's not a very cool thing they did. But on the other hand, it's sort of like, well, I can't really stop them. And in a way, if they'd have just come up with that idea on their own without talking to me first, it, in some ways it would be easier to swallow, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. well, they just had that same obvious idea. I think it's just that feeling that they were like, uh, yeah, it's too expensive. Let's make our own cheap version. That's a bit mean. I don't know. What do you think? Do I, just, I, an- I think this sort of stuff is massively common. Like, yeah. Either, when people see an idea and they basically like, I want one of those, they yeah. either go, oh, we can just do this ourselves. It doesn't look hard. I'll just do it. Or they go, oh, let's contact the original person. And then... I, if that doesn't work out, either they do something else or they just go ahead and do it anyway, um, <laughs> but for cheaper. Like, this is really common. Like, a, yeah. um, there's a classic example, which is the game Space Channel 5. So Game Space. The game called Space Channel 5. By, Space Channel 5. Yeah, I think it was by Sega. Um, but anyway, uh, they contacted um, uh, Ulala from uh the band who did Groovers in the Heart. Oh, like Delight. Yes. So they contacted her and were like, Would you like to star in this game? Yeah. And she was like negotiated with them for a bit and then in the end was like no. And then in the end when Space Channel Five came out, they had a character who was basically exactly like her. Or the character's Ulala and she's she was called something else, but like they basically used her likeness pretty much yeah. anyway. <laughs> it, it's really common. It this is sort really of stuff. common, isn't it? What I about? Mean, I've um, been Seb. I've been on the other side of this countless yeah. times in my career, where I've been like working an agency or something, or you know, and it's like we want a game or a whatever that's pretty much like this other game. Yeah, and you just do it because this is it's how things work. I mean. Like, using the word pyros is a bit cheeky because pyros really has nothing to do with fireworks. Like, it's not... If I said 10 words to do with fireworks, pyros wouldn't be on there. <laughs> do you see what I mean? So Yeah. That's, like, obviously come from your... But even if it wasn't called pyros, I don't think I'd be... I, I think I'd still probably feel the same. I mean, that is an extra sort of, like, dig in the ribs. You know, actually, yes. I, I reacted in a really mature way. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I sent them an email, um, and and it just said, "Piemont Pyro, seriously." <laughs> and <laughs> that was the entire email. No, I haven't heard back. So um, yeah, I mean, this stuff is not very nice. It's exactly how you, what you said. It's not very nice. It's it's uh, it's bad manners, isn't it? it is, really, I don't yeah. think it's. But I mean, if you think about it, like there's so many things like how when David Bowie saw uh, Gary Newman on Top yeah. of the Pops, he's like, oh, this guy's stolen my act. And he was like indignant and wouldn't speak to him for like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, in retrospect, did Gary Newman steal David Bowie's act? Not really. No, I don't think so. It's just sim- you- there's, there are similarities. You know, so so I was thinking, like, we could make this a really big, complicated episode because I actually know quite a few people who have been in this situation, right? Right. And I was like, yeah, we could get them all on and do interviews and talk about it and investigate it. Obviously, that's sort of out the window a little bit. 
But I suppose I could talk to oh, some you, other you wanted to make it. a whole This American Life, like weaving. Yeah, it'd be great, wouldn't it? And I'd have that music <laughs> that comes in in yeah. the background and 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 I could like re- pre-write something that sounds really clever. Mm. So it's a bit no. The I thing about is... doing that sort of podcast is that has to be your job. Yeah. Like that, the whole point of startup was that like the, the dude's idea is like there's a market for like highly produced uh, radio delivered yeah. by a podcast basically. And sure. he could do that. But it's like to do that, he had to raise literally like a million dollars or something. Yeah. And so no, it's, it's like, cool. We can just do it our way. It's it's not a problem. Um, there are other um, examples of installation stuff as well. I think there's a million examples of like game stuff. I guess I'm thinking about JS Joust. Do you remember that? Debacle? We even covered that. I mean, you, there's we? almost too many to mention because like... There is. Pretty much every game genre starts out yeah. with someone copying someone else's idea, effectively. And, you know, I think we've both made Flash games for, for years, right? I, I certainly think that... Well, I, I, I made haven't a, made Flash games for years. Well, no, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't made Flash, but there was a period... Oh, God. There's at times like this when we could really do with pre-writing... <laughs> Yeah, okay. we both we there both made games for a There was a period in our time. lives where we both made flash games for many years, and I'm sure you, just like me, had lots of corporate clients. And you know, I made I made almost an exact copy of um, was it Puzzle Bubble? I made a Puzzle Bubble game. Mm-hmm. Um, Buster actually, Move. Yeah, Buster Move. That's yep. it. Yeah, same thing, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Um, you know, so so I guess. You know, and actually in, in other projects before, I've had other artists accuse me of stealing their idea as well. Yeah, that I was, I didn't know if you wanted to mention that. But yeah, I remembered as you were talking a time when you were like, this artist has contacted me and said that I've stolen his idea. Yeah, I should probably talk about that, shouldn't I? We should get him on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not, that's not very nice because, because the shoe is on the other foot there. It's not really fair to talk about that one, I don't think, without him being able to give his side of it do you think uh do you see what i mean <laughs> yeah i was getting on <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure he wouldn't want to come on the show <laughs> he might do but no i mean I-, I think yeah i suppose we can talk about it in general i mean terms, people have what once someone decompiled one of my flash games and made their own thing and oh. i could tell like they claimed that they hadn't decompiled it, but I could tell because I had certain animations in there that were like timed exactly, and it's like there's no way you would accidentally like time the animation the way I timed it. Yeah. Like even if you were co- directly copying it, yeah. like. So so I guess the question is like, I mean I remember a couple of examples like the the biggest one in my mind that I can remember is um, the Chris O'Shea project, Hand From Above. Do you remember that? Yeah, we've talked about that one as well. And and that was kind of a very similar thing happened to Chris. And I think he kind of probably reacted fairly well. But, but obviously everyone else was up in arms about it. So, I mean, I guess, you know, I think it's pretty clear that there are some people that are doing things that are at least sort of impolite. <laughs> well, I mean, um, it's quite common for ad agencies to 
take like an obscure idea from YouTube or something yeah. and turn it into an ad. We've probably talked about this before, but cr- crumping was one or whatever. Crumping. The Mighty Boosh did this have this weird way of like rapping talking. Yeah. Which is like. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Walking on a street and a sunshine princess. Da, 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 and, yeah. yeah. Uh, Coco Pops did an advert that was <laughs> that took it off. <laughs> and and it it was so similar to the point where people were contacting them like, oh, well done on the Coco Pops ad or something. Yeah. And they were like, this has literally nothing to do with us. So so how? Sorry, not Coco. It was Sugar Puffs. For the record, it was definitely Sugar right, Puffs, good. the Honey Monster. So, I, you know, I, I was sort of thinking, like, back at the time, like, you know, in, in the point in our story where we were both like, yeah, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I was thinking at that point, well, why don't I just send them a mail and say, well, look, if... Uh, I hope... I was going to say something like, I hope your new original idea isn't anything to do with fireworks but if it, if it is you know why not why not get you know get me in I'll, I'll give you some advice you know do a bit of consulting yeah. or whatever I mean would that have been should I have done that that maybe would have been a a way around it for sure yeah but I guess on the other hand I didn't oh, I just didn't want to you know I'm a bit cynical and pessimistic and I often fight you know I fight that natural assumption that people are going to be idiots like or not idiots but mean Mm. I I fight that because I don't want to be that guy who just sees the bad in everyone I mean the thing is though if things are if things are perfectly legal which they are like copying someone else's idea is perfectly legal and yeah and a part of the artistic process to be fair like I don't know if you've seen uh everything is a remix yeah but you know there's quite a good argument that it, it's important to be able to copy other people's ideas and yeah. add your own spin on them yeah which and, is what they did and i think it's so morally i don't know it's the tricky one isn't it like i can't be too angry about stuff like this just because i've seen it so much i'm completely numb to it i guess yeah and, and i mean i'm certainly it, not as angry about it as as I perhaps would have been a long time ago. You know, I was definitely expecting it. I'm just, you know, it's just that sort of slight sinking feeling and you're like... Yeah. What's what's nice and satisfying is when people try and copy you, but they can't pull it off. And then you can go, ha, well, that's because they didn't know my secret source. They should have come for the original. (laughs) I mean, I don't think it's that hard to make digital fireworks. I mean, I definitely think that... The, the, there are some, or certainly the sort of more realistic ones, I'm, I'm kind of heartened. You know, some of the fireworks that I created are very stylized and not very accurate simulations. So at least, hopefully, I've added a bit of myself, you know, a bit of my own sort of artistic take to it on that. And I'd, I'd be very surprised, you know, if their fireworks look exactly like my really weird computery ones, then I'll be really annoyed. But I don't think they will be, I think. I think they're probably just making fairly normal-looking fireworks simulations. But I haven't seen it. I I can't find any video or anything, so hmm. I couldn't really say. But that's my assumption. Yeah. I think if they're triggering fireworks or hitting a drum, I think that's probably quite fun. I think it might be quite yeah. interesting to do that. I think it will sound awful. Like, <laughs> I would, 
I would never give the public a load of drums to hit. I mean, that's that's never going to be nice, is it? In fact, I generally don't really like installations where the public have to make sound. It's quite a lot of it's quite a lot of sound reactive large light installations, and they always just sound really creepy, like people making weird like whistly noises or screaming like you just get all these random mm. really creepy sounds so i generally shy away from <laughs> from encouraging the public to make sound <laughs> yes so i don't know i mean i hope that it, I, I suppose sure i'll feel better if it's not a particularly successful or effective installation but i'll probably feel really awful if it's really good as well <laughs> well yeah no that's what i'm saying Oh, no, I'll feel better if it's bad, and I'll feel terrible if it's, like, really good. Yeah, that's what um, Ollie Moss, the guy who designs, like, those very stylized posters for old movies and things. Yeah. He says, like, he doesn't mind people copying his style as long as they can't do it better than him. <laughs> yeah. And that's so what it comes down to, isn't it? It's like, yeah. you want to know you're the best at your niche, right? You don't want... I want it to be a cheap knockoff, that's what I want. I want it to be like the Chanel bags that have got the the name spelt wrong, right? <laughs> With the the stitching coming apart. That's what I want. Sure. But is that, that's just a bit mean of me, though, isn't it? Yeah. See, the thing is, you need to have some like some more secret secret sauce. Like, if you can be copied, yeah, you need something that's very difficult to copy. Well, but then you know, on the other hand. I do really think that I should I, I should open source everything, you know. So this is why I'm really kind of torn. In fact, you know, I remember some of my early conversations with with those people because initially I was like, oh yeah, sure, anyone can have my code and make their own fireworks display. And then I was sort of <laughs> like, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe it should be non-commercial or something. But they certainly seemed a little bit surprised that they couldn't just take my code and do whatever oh, they, they wanted did. with it. Well, that that was certainly something they asked about early on. Interesting. And I and I sort of explained, well, I haven't really quite figured that out yet. I, I don't think I put, you know, it would, it would have to be a non-commercial license, I think. But in a way, I do sort of feel I should give this stuff away. And like in particular, like we figured out how to rig this massive screen, and yeah. um, I think I think I should even release the plans for that. You know, I guess the only thing stopping me from releasing the plans for that is the the concern that, you know, if people don't take the same safety precautions as we do, then it could go really wrong and there could be, you know, it could be serious, like, cost and damages to people and property if they don't do it properly. Yeah. And I want to make sure I'm covered. But in theory, I'm quite happy to sort of release the the plans but the... see but then you're you're saying sort of two contradicting things i know then. this is what's going on in my <laughs> head though but i don't think there's I mean, someone else could just copy the way that we've rigged the screen and and that would make me annoyed but if i give it away and just say hey everyone this is this brilliant open source way of you know rigging a massive screen and then everyone uses it and then it's just a different that's better isn't it because yeah. then everyone's like oh seb's mm -hmm. really cool he let me use this thing and now i'm and they're telling everyone how brilliant this system is and that Seb gave it to them. You know, it's like a different, it's complete. It turns something that's potentially a conflict into a collaboration, doesn't hmm. it? I'm not really an open source advocate. I don't know, like, <laughs> I'm just not. Like, 
I think that if you're going to copy someone else, you should go to the effort of reverse engineering what they did. <laughs> um, like, I can't see as an individual or a business almost any examples where, like, doing open source stuff significantly helps you. Mm. Um, you actually, time, what you happens know... is if you do a lot of open source stuff, you're sort of casually creeping into being a tools business. Yeah. And, like... If you're like, there are lots of great open source projects, but like, you know, at some point, if you're running a business, you have to make money for them. So, is it actually that you're doing a little pivot into being like a tools business with a free tier and a and a paid tier, which is like getting you on as a consultant to plug gaps in it and that sort of thing? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, even if you open sourced it, would you end up actually, like, offering loads of consulting for people to fix bits of it and things like that? I think it's a bit different, isn't it, from... Well, I, I think that, um, you know, Helicar and Lewis do it pretty well, um, better than anyone I know, and certainly Joel gives a really good, intelligent argument for open source that whenever I hear it, it just makes absolute sense to me. But somehow I'm not clever enough to kind of regurgitate that. Have you seen... Um, <laughs> convince other people. Have you seen Print the Legend? No. Oh, it's a documentary. It's on Netflix. It's yeah. about uh, 3D printing startups. Yeah. Uh, like MakerBot and some other ones and the dude who was trying to 3D print a gun. Oh, that sounds really like, interesting. If any of our listeners have got Netflix, like you will definitely want to watch this program. It's, uh, this, What's it called? It's called Print the Legend. Print the legend, okay. Um, yeah, and one of the things that comes through in that is all these guys starting out with open source pr products and projects, and then as the realities of like business sink in, all of them actually like squirreling away all of their things and going closed source, that's or like, oh, we've closed though, this part it? of the design, or like oh, that's so horrible. And isn't there a similar thing happening with Arduino now, with like a um, an ownership? Uh, conflicts yeah. with the founders. A, yeah, I, that hasn't, that doesn't seem to have gone. Well, I think they're coming through it now, aren't they? But I don't know. Yeah, that I know what you mean. It definitely seems to cause problems. But on the other hand, you know, trying to, I don't think the Arduino would be what it is today if they, if it had been a proprietary product. It just wouldn't, you know. And the Arduino is totally ubiquitous. It's literally everywhere. I just mm. don't think that would have happened if they'd have gone, oh, it's this closed source thing and we're going to give it what to was, We had the Raspberry Pi guy on, didn't we? Is Raspberry Pi open yeah. source or is that no, closed source? I don't think so. Right, but that's that's just as successful as Arduino, so I don't even think you can make that argument. Like, Yeah. Right? But what's interesting is other companies like Intel have done their own, here's our mini circuit board computer. Like, So people copy the idea even if they don't have access to the designs yeah i mean i think that the raspberry pi is different from the arduino because the arduino is a lot simpler and the and a big part of the draw of prototyping stuff in arduino is that you can then just take those circuits and build your own pcbs yeah. with that stuff on so i don't know and i think i've got a feeling that some of raspberry pi might be open source but i've got a feeling that some of it isn't so i don't know we probably need to get clarification on that should get some Raspberry Pi people in 
that's a good project, isn't it? But yeah, I think that it's, I really believe that I want to make things open as much as possible. Um, I've got this sort of instinctive sort of feeling that that's the right thing to do, but I'm just always feeling conflicted about, about that. I think it's a bit easier for me because I'm not really a business as yeah. such. I'm, and so I can be a, probably a, a bit freer. Like you were saying, I don't necessarily need to sell software. Yeah. I mean, I, I have like quite a few friends like online and got people also that I know in real life as well, um, who are sort of the stewards of open source projects. Yeah. So like, uh, uh, Matt Groves, who is a uh, pixie um, uh, like I know like the pixie j s um sorry a pixie j s sorry uh photon storm who um rich yeah. who is uh what's his one called phaser yeah and then like uh philippe who does flash develop and um yeah. joshua who does uh uh hacks enemy and I mean, for all, all of them very, but for all of different. them what's that they're very different from my projects. No, right? but what, because... what I'm saying is for all of those things, it it seems to be a source of stress as well as a source <laughs> of like opportunities. And yeah. Well, you, once on, someone I, I else the... is like relying on your thing to work. Yeah. That is, that has, I think, unintended or, well, it's a natural consequence, but it, it's a responsibility. So if you say like, here's my open source fireworks thing, it yeah. totally definitely works and you can make your fireworks thing and then someone tries to do it at their village fate and it doesn't work yeah it's like well and also i think it just doesn't make sense in that example to you know because if you're thinking about pixie or phaser or flash develop or whatever i mean these are all tools that can potentially be used by thousands and thousands of people yeah. You know, how, how many people want to make an interactive fireworks display in their back garden? Right. I mean, not, but... not, not many people. So, <laughs> you know, and I think... But that so, even where, so then where even is the benefit of open sourcing it then? Who are you helping? It's a really good question. I mean, it's just more that, you know, I've benefited from open frameworks and all the add-ons and stuff like that that are open source. I think probably the best... I mentioned Helicar and Lewis, and I think they're probably onto the right lines with how they do it. Like the, I remember one project in particular they did with Coca-Cola and Maroon 5 and they the the basic kind of content or the content, the effects, the designs they kept to themselves, but all of the sort of techniques and technologies they released into add-ons. So they sort of managed to make as much of that project open source to benefit other people as possible. So I think I've got to figure out a way of doing that. You know, maybe I should make a particle system add-on that I've designed for fireworks that other people can use for anything. You yeah, know? I guess you, that's to... it. You have to make it reusable in some way. Yeah. Other than just the application. I don't know. I've got like a, an interesting counter example to this is yeah. that um, Unity is all set up with the asset store to incentivize people to share their stuff by selling it. Mm. and it seems to have worked out really really well like we'll never know what the what it would have looked like if it if that didn't exist and it, everything was done like open source which is how flash was pretty much done yeah um but, but for unity it seems to work like really well like uh because people are able to make a viable business from their add-ons basically and from the mm. assets that they sell so that could be like 
a particle effect or it could be like some art or it could be a 3d model of a tank or it could be like a whole ui framework um and yeah the fact that it it is like a sustainable business to to do those if you hit on something really useful like that's a massive benefit compared to open source where potentially more things get abandoned i think that's more likely to exist in that in that uh, sector or is it a sector that kind of platform because the entire platform is proprietary isn't it so yes you know that's the but then that was the same that was the same with flash but flash somehow had this amazing open source community yeah i think it was kick-started by os flash wasn't it do you remember that it was was a rails project so um yeah i wonder but i mean i i don't know like but even before that though there was like flash kit which was like an open sharing community where people would post whole projects. Do people put anything um, Unity related in in the open source? There's almost nothing. There's literally, there's about two projects that I can think of. Yeah. Everything else is on the asset store. So mm. It's very interesting. I, I, I don't know the answer. I haven't figured it out at all. I, I would like to, you know, even I've done lots of work, not only on particle effects, but also the, the the largest amount of work that I've done is probably on controlling lasers. And I've built on top of Memo's um, laser add-ons. And I'm working with the EtherDream, but there's loads of extra code involved in sort of sorting the lasers out and, um, you know, optimising the draw path and calibrating and mapping is a ton of extra stuff that i've done that i probably should make into an add-on and mm. and release but i don't feel like it's really works well enough yet and i also sort of lack a bit of confidence to release my code as an add-on because i don't really feel like i you know i've been doing open frameworks for five years and i still don't 100 percent feel like i get it you know sure <laughs> which is kind of a horrible feeling you know for someone who's who's been very confident and comfortable with other platforms you know to feel still at a bit of a loss sure a bit of a noob is a bit embarrassing so i i don't know it's um i, I mean i my wish i could, thoughts I wish are I could like, figure it I out i don't think anyone is uh what's the word i'm looking for I don't think anyone f- should feel like they have to open source anything. Like, it's not um... compulsory. No, that's that's not the word I'm looking for. Like, you're not um... obliged. Obliged. That's exactly the word I'm looking for. You're not obliged <laughs> to open source anything. Like, it's none of your people's business. Yeah. Um, even if you build on open source stuff, that mm. that's what it's done for. And if you make like your cool open source framework or whatever, there's a chance that someone will build an online casino on top of it and make, <laughs> you know, millions of dollars and you'll get nothing. And that's just what open source, that, that's, that's what it is, right? I mean, that's, is that, that's okay. I mean, I think that's okay as long as there are many more people doing good things with it, right? <laughs> right. If yeah. that's the only person that ever took your code, like... <laughs> well, I mean, what if it is, it though? It might be. Unsavory method. It might be. For, you know, that's a bit depressing. You know, Al Qaeda might use your um, WordPress templates to make that. <laughs> it's it's entirely possible, right? But but that's not a reason to not release it, though, is it? <laughs> I mean, like, if it's that popular that it ends up in the bad people's hands, then it's going to have ended up in a lot of good people's hands too. And and I think going back to this idea about uh, Pixie and Phaser and all of those things, 
the people that released those platforms, sure, I'm sure it's a lot of stress and a lot of work, but I think it's probably good for them as well. I certainly know that when I was on the Papervision team, you know, the Flash 3D library, I, I know that I got a lot out of that. I don't think I, you know, that set me on the way to, to in, in, you know, improving my profile and sure and and speaking at conferences and stuff like sure. that so I, I think i mean well that, that's an interesting segue so speaking at conferences and the whole idea of profile in itself yeah is that like you'd argue that's worth quite a lot right i think it's it's but worth as someone who has dabbled in profile and conferences and stuff i would say for most people it's not worth anything <laughs> well maybe you didn't get enough but then it's like if if you almost have to do it as like a full-time or a part-time job. Yeah. Right. And so it's like doing, doing two conferences a year is not, will not make an impact. You need to get up to like 10 or 20 conferences a year. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Then you're just traveling all the time. Uh, You're doing all these things that are like basically unpaid. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, yeah, you could end up, so that could end up costing you money effectively. Like, I don't think I think it's all it always comes back right it's a question of like changing your working life right so I can't unlike you I can't really do any real production work you know <laughs> for, for clients right I can't I just can't do projects <laughs> I don't have the availability or the time or the headspace or anything I just don't um, but then you only don't you only don't have the availability because you know that you're going to be going to like loads of conferences and yeah, there's, there is, you know, there's other ways. I, you know, I, I, I've chosen a sort of slightly different career, such that it is, where you know I have fewer. You know, I, I do my own projects. That brings in quite a bit of money. Um, you know, I do the workshops, and these days I only speak at conferences where I get paid. So, it's, it's like I've got all these things coming in, and that's, that's my job. They're better paid. You know, they're better paid, but they're more sparse. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and that, that really works for me. But it, part of the reason it works for me is because I really like speaking at conferences and running workshops. If you're not really into that, then that's not really going to work for you, is it? But that does work for me. And that's why having a profile and building a profile was kind of worth it, in my view. It gives me a lot of options. And I think people feel comfortable booking on my workshops because of the profile. Right? Mm. Yeah, it certainly helps to have you know in uh even if you're not like even if you like i mean i guess like you do a lot of training things yeah and for people to know your name from conferences and stuff and just know that you exist and know that your courses exist like that is i mean i don't i don't do much consultancy work but if i really pushed for that if i tried i think i could get that sort of high paid you know, specialist consulting yeah. work, and that and that would fit in with my sort of career, my lifestyle choice. Yeah, my having choice. like uh, a good online presence is, <sighs> for me, has been like much more important than anything I've ever done in terms of physical conferences. Right, you mean like your website with lots like of cool having a really good website stuff. with lots of good examples of your work. Mm-hmm. Um, like just like a couple of years ago, I redid my website to make it more sell myself more and since then like my business has like massively improved um and, just and things what, like what sticking a load of now? you know um awards yeah you have that little 
uh, little flash or whatever. No, what's that little icon that you get on like? It's like a re- a laurel. Oh yeah. Just having a load of laurels. <laughs> yeah. For all the like awards on the that indie films with all. With yeah, all exactly. The, the it's like things like awards. that that just remind people that like you are a safe pair of hands. You have a track record. Yeah. Coming up like high in search rankings is super important because some yeah. people literally are just typing freelance whatever you are into google <laughs> and you want to you want to show up there yeah and if you're not showing up there like say what you want to do is open like an incognito tab so that google's not tracking you and then just type in freelance blah blah and if you're not just click on yourself if you're not on the first like couple of pages you need to like think about your your seo stuff more oh, i never thought we'd end up talking about seo ian this is uh... <laughs> New depth, isn't only, it? Only real, <laughs> only real SEO, though, not like... Not fake SEO. Not fake SEO, not like black hats. So, so what, what is your career, then, at the moment? You're doing freelance, freelance development? Freelance games developer. Like, I say production. games developer because I don't want to ever tie myself down to one technology. Oh, that's um, a good idea. I should have thought of that sooner, really. <laughs> <laughs> so even though, like, at the moment, my main tool is definitely Unity and, like... Yeah. Uh, I don't want to tie myself just to that. And when people come to me and say, like, I would like a game, yeah. uh, I would advise them on... So just recently, like, this project that's about to kick off that I'm doing, they were like, we'd need a game, and we were thinking we'd build it in uh, HTML. And I'm like, what sort of game is it? And they're just like, it's a mobile game to, for app stores. And I'm like, well, I could just build it for you in Unity, and it'll be a lot simpler. And yeah. so that's what we're doing. But you could do it in HTML. But I could have, like, if that was, like, an actual requirement of the project, yeah. I could totally do it in that as well. Or Flash, if, if that made sense for the project, so... Someone offered me a job today. Oh, really? They're really nice, actually. I might put them on to you if you want to make some games. Uh, I think they were looking for JavaScript people. Is it but a full-time like, job or a freelance thing? Well, I think, I think ideally they want full-time, but I think they'd have to accept a free... And they said, I... they said if you know anyone who is any good that we could do full-time, I was like, good luck looking for that unicorn. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Like, it's so, so I'm sure they'd accept a freelancer. It's a really tricky one, like, uh, how... There's a very fine lines in, like, employing developers between, like having loads of options and there being no one and like employers probably need to be more flexible in terms of like having remote people using freelancers all of these kinds of things yeah because um, like yeah i don't think really that employers can complain about skill shortages and stuff like the people are out there mm. it's just like you're not prepared to train people or uh you're not prepared to use freelancers or you're not prepared to uh, outsource things you expect everyone to work on site in your office in london for 30 grand a year and be brilliant and and yeah. and still be brilliant and amazing and yeah exactly and it's like well that person might maybe they are out there but like yeah. it's going to be quite hard to find them because not everyone can afford to live on that in london like <laughs> unless you're young unless you're like basically single no kids no yeah. responsibilities, quite young, where you're prepared to, like, share a house with a load of other people. Um, like, people can't afford to to do that because it's a really expensive place to live. And it's where yeah. everyone's set, still setting up their, their, their software businesses and their, like, startups and stuff, which is that sort of... 
I mean, London is like a huge mega city. And so it makes sense that people would want to be there. And there is like a big talent pool of like people from all over Europe there and stuff. But it's just like in the long term, like how sustainable is it to base things in like a really expensive place when like wages clearly aren't keeping up with the costs of living? I don't know. I I I, I hate London. So <laughs> <laughs> I grew up there. You can probably tell from the accent. But um, yeah, no. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure Brighton has a similar problem though, where like yeah, Brighton's really expensive. expensive to live, isn't it? And yeah, and the wages in town are generally really low. So yeah. I yeah. Think. So it's like, what what happens to people? What do people do? Like, that, um, well, it, they either work <laughs> in London or they uh, or they or they move out of Brighton to some of the. I mean, I suppose in Brighton you don't have to go very far before it gets a lot cheaper. Sure. Yeah. But it's interesting, like, I just think that the next generation of people will find it very difficult to, like, recreate what the previous generation did. Oh, yeah. Well, it's been like that for a couple of generations, isn't it, now, I think? Things are changing pretty quick. I regularly wind my parents up about, like, how easy they had it. <laughs> like, jobs for life and all that sort of stuff. And Yeah. Uh, I think we could. This is probably a whole other episode, isn't it? I could talk about this. We were going to have a. We were going to do one about money, weren't we? Oh, we should do one about money. Yeah, right, well, let's, let's do that. Let's do a whole episode about money. I think we should probably wrap it up, though, don't you? Okay, that was well, cool. Though we had some interesting things to talk about. Yes, we did. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, yeah, cool. I've, I'm I'm meeting some really interesting people soon. Um, you know Dan Schiffman from Processing, mm-hmm. or he's very big in the processing world. He's in London at the moment. He's living here for a few months, and he's come into my workshop, so I should try and grab him. Cool. I'm working with the brilliant artist Dominic Wilcox. Uh, you should check out his work. He's really cool and funny. Cool. Oh, he's the guy who makes, like, the paintbrush clothes pegs and stuff. No. Yeah, he makes weird inventions. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, cool, that dude. Yeah, and so, yeah, I'm doing some prototypes with him next week. It should be really oh, fun. Oh, no way. That's so cool. So I can possibly get him as well, if you want. Go for it. Don't make any promises you can't keep, Sam. I haven't asked any of these people. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't they want to? Sure. All right, cool. Thanks, cool. everyone, for listening. Yeah, and we're going to look at ways to do more podcasts, I suppose. Yeah, we're We terrible. were thinking about, well, we should say that we were thinking about doing, like, a Patreon yeah, if you're point. up for that, then let us know. Yeah, let us know Feedback, also, please. or we could do a whole season as a Kickstarter and so say, like, do a Kickstarter, like, we'll do a season of X number, like, 15 episodes or something. And yeah. we could kickstart that for, like, a fixed amount of money. We, so basically, we've got to make it pay. That's the that's the issue. Um, I mean, ultimately, like, yeah, it's like I'm <laughs> pretty much I'm on holiday this week, which is why I've got time to do this one. But like, yeah. normally I'm working and it's like, if well, I'm not, you know what, though? It's, it I actually don't costs think... me like lots of money to do this well, in, I mean, it doesn't... in lost wages. Yeah, I suppose you could look at it. Like I mean, that. that is that is actually how I have to see things, because there are times yeah. where it's like I could be working today or I could be not working. And every time I go, oh, I'm not going to work today, it actually like costs me a, f- a physical amount of money. <laughs> it's um it's like one of those it's it's like it's difficult for me because it's just another one of the million things that i have to deal with every yeah. day that i don't get paid for i mean i just do a load of admin <laughs> and research and everything yeah so so it's it's sort of just another thing on my list so for me it's you know obviously some money would be good it's not really 
I think what we both need is probably just a bit of uh, a commitment and uh, and a, and a sort of incentive, even yes. a very small incentive. A to sense just of keep... responsibility. To yeah, a sense of responsibility. That's exactly it. it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. So, um, yeah, if you want more podcasts, let us know and help us figure out how we can become millionaires. Yes, this is a definitely a million dollar idea, isn't it? It's a absolutely. About <laughs> a, about really obscure uh, specialist yeah. technology. I think that's great. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Perfect. <laughs> cool. <laughs> great. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, See you next guys. time. Bye. Bye. Bye.